0: 18 plus
1: dressed in all black like the omen feels appropriate I know for you eternal optimists out there you're gonna say Craig it's only been two weeks you're doing too much and to that I say you might want to leave If you tuned in to IG50I you know what it is with me man You don't come here for sack massages or taint tickles. You're getting that real. So here's your uh, disclaimer. Exit now. Uh, I can't be held liable for what happens next. All right, now. If you're still here, that means you're ready and willing to have some difficult conversations. Because I told you all up top. Your boy is not in a good mood right now. As a matter of fact, I am downright perturbed and with good reason. You're watching this. I'm going to assume you're a Chargers fan. And if that is the case, you know exactly how I feel. Year in and year out, you watch this team, you get excited about it. You look at all the talent only to have them roll into the year at some point, dig themselves into a hole and have to watch them attempt to claw their way out of it the rest of the year ultimately more often than not finding themselves falling just short because they don't actually control their destiny or they get to the point to where they just have to win one more game to make it happen and they don't get it done and y'all know how it goes new and inventive ways to break your heart but realistically it just kind of feels like it's always going to be the same old Ricky Bobby Live! Apparently, you can be first and last because right now, the Chargers, as of Sunday, are the only team in NFL history to ever start on to despite having, oh, I'm sorry, scoring 50 plus points and giving up zero turnovers. We've all been lied to. You can somehow simultaneously be very good at something, but also suck just as badly at the same time. Wouldn't necessarily call that a balance. It's just rather disheartening. Let me jump into number one. Blood in the water. You're in trouble, Brandon. And although I don't foresee Staley being fired if they for some reason roll into minnesota and lose this weekend i mean can't be sure of that but if we're just basing it off of charger history and the way that they go about hiring and firing their coaches this isn't really their thing i don't know man i don't know what else to say at this point we can rehash this every week but the truth it still stands defensive coach that can't seem to get his defense together And by the way, people, just telling you straight up, I'm not looking at Kellen Moore the same way that I'm looking at Brandon Staley. Did the offense have opportunities to win that game? Yeah. Was some of it due to or some of the reason why they lost? Did it fall upon questionable play calling on the offensive side of the ball at times? Yep. Did it fall on Justin Herbert not making plays? Absolutely. But y'all know what I'm getting at here this may be year four of herbert but it's also you know his third offensive system so i'm gonna have to shoot him a little bit of bail and also kellen moore has only had one off season one to try to implement this offense brandon staley has now had four off seasons try to make it work I don't care what anyone says. If you score 24 points on the Tennessee Titans as they're currently constructed, you should win that game. If you score 36 points in any NFL game, you should probably win that game, especially when you win the turnover battle two to nothing. I'm not going back two weeks ago. Let's just focus on this one. Brandon, my man, I don't know, maybe let Ainsley Take the reins. See how it goes, because clearly there's a disconnect between what you're cooking and what the defense is smelling. It ain't happening, my man. Ultimately, we should all take a step back and keep this in mind as well. What's the alternative? You want to fire him and go with Kelly Moore? Let me ask you a question. Kellen really look like a head coach to you from what you've seen from him. Does he give you run through a wall for this dude vibes? Seems a little green to me. Kind of goofy, actually. But, you know, look at Mike McDaniels. He doesn't exude that type of confidence in you. I, don't, I can't see playing for Mike McDaniels and thinking, man, that's my guy. I'm gonna get it done for him. So, yeah could be profiling a bit that would suck but still i don't know and then this is just another voice that the team's gonna have to get behind and adjust to and is this gonna be a long-term answer because herein lies the problem as much as people claim the charges to be cheap they're looking at it the wrong way see they're not player cheap they're coach cheap and to assign more the head coaching gig would fall right in line with that. Another inexperienced HC. And you're probably putting yourself on another cycle of a four year project that doesn't really pan out. It'll have its highs, its lows, but it ultimately doesn't get you where you should be looking to be. I'm over it. And I'm over this topic. So we're going to move on shoot number two ain't gonna be that much better because i need answers with regard to what's going on with isaiah spiller i've already said this before right actually brought it up on uh after hours i need to know who this man whose girlfriend or wife allegedly he may have sent the eggplant emoji to. something's going on here and nobody seems to be asking you know what i'm actually a little appalled hey uh beat writers everybody i respect you guys for what you do i understand it's your job you have to find new and inventive ways to stay relevant and you know but instead of asking questions about if the jacksonville game is still affecting the team this year or what the mood is for the team after a loss how about dig a little bit deeper because that stuff feels a bit lazy. And I'll tell you what else. I've been sent clips of, you know, people out there, folks that cover the team, respectfully saying this, but you came here for the real, right? So it's what I'm going to give you. That seem to be backing up these questions. And a lot of it, to me, seems like it's relationship-based. That's your dog. you going to ride with him. You know. Does your solid? Maybe she shares some information. Whatever it may be. Some of these questions are crazy, man. Seriously, why would you ask a coach that just came out of his second loss in a row this season in a tight game? Something that had to do with last year. What what sort of reaction did you think you were going to get from that? What were you hoping to elicit from him, other than? Rage because we saw a side of Brandon Staley that, well, let me speak for myself, I haven't personally ever seen. But I digress. Back to my point about Isaiah Spiller. Maybe ask a question about that because tell you what, you rolled into a game where you already down Austin Eckler. And I'm sorry, number two is what's the spill? You're going to a contest where you're down your number one running back. Austin Eckler is out with the ankle injury. So we knew Joshua Kelly was going to get the lion's share of the snaps. Just based off of last week, I know a lot of people felt confident about that. But see, my question is, do you really want Isaiah Spiller handling the load as your RB1? In a split back situation, I can deal with that. But asking him to go out there and be a part of your offense full time taking the majority of the snaps is going to limit you a bit because you can't count on him to do what Eckler does in the receiving game out of the backfield and though he did show himself to be a much better runner exhibiting better vision last week I still need to see that consistently before I can actually feel like I can depend on it you roll Dotson out there who I like but for all intents and purposes just barely made the 53-man roster, right? And you have this guy that you spent a fourth-round pick on two years ago that, for some reason or another, just can't see the field consistently. Now, last week made more sense because Dotson has returnability, and that's not something Isaiah Spiller does or has done historically. I got that. Didn't like it, but you kind of backed yourself into a corner by only having five wide receivers, And then I guess none of your defensive backs or because you utilize the more athletic guys and they have to play more snaps You don't want to risk them by putting them back at returner so y'all's problem figure that out But this dude played very well this preseason and everybody well most people from what I saw or let me stop this Let me speak for myself. I was very high on him after uh, this preseason because he showed me a lot I already knew he had the vision already knew he had the foot quickness knew he had the receiving ability but we actually saw long speed from him which was the question and he's also a tough runner dude falls forward more often than not true roll Elijah Dotson out there as your RB2 this week and I am so confused by that I just want to understand what's going on I'm looking for answers. Bro, check this out. So if anybody wants to know anything about me personally, I am a digital operations manager. I always have to look for answers and I'm solutions oriented. It drives me nuts when something doesn't make sense and there's no explanation behind it. And this is one of those things. And the funny part about it is, is this is not in my professional life. This is a hobby. It's a team that I like, sorry, love. And it's affecting me outside of work, which I don't need that extra nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, I get paid regularly to have to deal with that. In my leisure, I would much rather not have to ask questions that I can't get answers to. Because I'm further away from this situation, so it makes a whole lot less sense. But again, I am rambling on. I am now done with this topic. Let's move along. All right, so... If you guys know anything about me, you've been around long enough. One of my quirks is that I can be a little overly analytical. It helps me every day in my nine to five. You know, the gig works well there. Gets me in trouble a little bit at home. Wife doesn't love it all the time. But hey, I am who I am. Uh. but because of it. It forces me to have to ask questions because again, like I mentioned before, I'm not a person that just accepts things that don't make sense. I ask questions. I do some digging and I try to find answers on my own because just not knowing, specifically when things make absolutely no sense to me at all drives me nuts. I gotta figure something out. And in this instance, I'm speaking about the whole Quentin Johnston situation. And by the way, this is number three. I'm going to call this one, The QJ Quandary. You spent first round draft capital on a wide receiver. One that is supposed to help you in an area that you struggle in. Now, granted, QJ isn't necessarily a burner, but he's still probably faster than your top three dudes. And if we're talking like long speed, he's definitely faster or twitchier, twitchier in short areas. Uh, He's got really good footwork and we see what he can do after the catch. That's his strong suit. So if he's not going to beat guys down the field per se, not everybody in a foot race, but he can at least get you something short and make something big out of it. Yo, that sounded kind of crazy. Pause. Um, Then why don't you want to work him into the offense? Now, rewind this a bit, because what we've heard is that They're helping him grow into his role within the offense. I get it. Rookie wide receiver, maybe it's taking him a little while to adjust. Totally understand. But you know, the real issue there is that there are dudes who were drafted in the first round that play wide receiver for their respective squads that are also asked to do more right now. And they are key contributors for their squads. What does that say about Johnston? I don't know, but I will say this. If the goal is to slow play him into the offense, you want to gradually work him in and you don't want to rush him. How does his counterpart, who is drafted in the fourth round by you as well, whose primary uh, his primary role is to be a return man? get more snaps than him particularly last week i mean qj had 10 and the person that i'm alluding to darius davis had 11 and it's not just that it's the fact that you had him in in a high leverage situation and you put him in a scenario where the defense was probably keying on him because you aligned him in an unnatural position he was playing tailback you pitched him the ball and he was able to convert I actually love the play call creativity it's dope But you're telling me you're going to trust him in that scenario. But the guy you took in the first round, you can't give more than 10 snaps to. And that blows my mind because, again, I don't know what this says about Quentin. But that would maybe mean either you care less about Darius Davis getting in and his development or. You think Darius may be a little bit more prepared, and I understand some of this is gadget stuff, but again, when you put him in the game, teams are probably looking at him to do something gadgety. So then he becomes a focus of theirs. They key on him. You could potentially use him as a decoy that set something else up, but it's not really what you did. But all right. I do find this weird, though. The fact that coming straight out of rookie minicamp Mr. Johnston, for some reason or another, believed that he was going to be the wide receiver three on his team, which is essentially a star. It's a slack, sly guy. You know, most teams roll out three wides in base offense. And apparently, for some reason, he thought he was going to be the dude, which I thought was very premature because people can slander Josh Palmer all they want. Act like last year didn't happen and that that dude didn't step into a huge role uh, pretty much unexpectedly and produce. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. So just thinking QJ was going to walk in and take that spot to me seemed a little awkward. And it hasn't happened to this point. So either there was a miscommunication, somebody lied to him. Either way, <clears throat> at this point, i just like to see him do the things that you're rolling Mike Williams out there to do in jet sweeps and bubble screens. Those things that he shouldn't be doing at six foot four, 220 some odd pounds, you know, heavier wide receiver, not the fleetest of foot. You typically don't want those dudes in on those plays or being the receiver or primary ball handler on those plays. That's usually not what you should be looking for. And, uh, me and my football history, what I know from not only playing being around the game for now 35 years. If a guy's specialty is a uh, run after catch guy or a creator, someone who can get yards on his own or short dump off screens, things, screens, things of that nature. It doesn't take a whole lot of brain power to run those plays accurately. You can line up for a tunnel screen and you literally either take one step up and back, turning the balls there, and you get upfield, follow your blockers, make something happen. Or we used to run this play called Laser Rocket, depending on what side you're on, where you motioned down the line. You snap the ball, and you catch the screen with a running start. Now, I mean, that could be almost considered a tunnel screen. You can run it in various ways. Yeah, but that's the guy that you want doing that especially on jet sweeps you probably shouldn't have that really big dude that has to take three to four seconds to chop his feet slow down and change direction you probably shouldn't hand him the rock you know what you should do the six foot three dude that's a little over two two bucks whose specialty is to make people miss in the open field and is known for having quick feet after they catch or once the ball is in his hand I I just need to understand the logic I mean I guess maybe they're thinking oh they'll never expect us to hand this ball to Mike Williams except for the fact that you've literally done that like three years in a row. You're not catching anybody off guard. I'm sorry. I don't mean to break your heart. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But uh, there are better ways to go about this. And you have at least two players on your roster. that are much more equipped. To take on that role. <sighs> oh God make it stop. And in the midst of the crap show that ultimately ended up being Sunday's game, there were some dudes that actually stepped up. So it wasn't all bad. So silver lining. Actually, number four, we're going to hand out some uh, gold stars. Let's start with Joey Bosa. Dealing with the hamstring injury. We didn't really know how much we were going to see him. And he actually got on the field for 19 snaps. Had two sacks. Couple tackles and performed well. He looked good. Couldn't really tell that the hammy was hampering him at all. So great. He's on his road to recovery. But you know what helped in a at least one of those sacks he got running a twist with a young Mister Tuli Tuapalotu, who oh my goodness Tuli Tuli's gonna be a guy. I know a guy when I see a guy. Tuli's a guy, guy. Just turned 21, and you couldn't tell on Sunday. The thing that really surprised me a bit about Tuli is at USC, he seemed like a high effort dude, and you know, that doesn't always translate over to the NFL. You want to do with the motor. Someone who can get those effort sacks, coverage sacks, never stops going, may, you know, get... Run around the play by the tackle, but could still make a sack from the backside. Hey, yo, that sounded crazy. Pause. Um, But Sunday, too, he looked different. He looked athletic. That play (laughs) where he runs that twist with Joey and he essentially does like, remember Saget from Street Fighter? The little like tiger knee? That's what it looked like. He did it in between (laughs) the guard and the tackle. He actually sort of got skinny in the way that he did it. He was able to break between the two of them and Joey got freed up in the twist to make the sack. But the crazy part about it is, is if Joey didn't get home for some reason, Thule was still in position to make the play, essentially beating what turned into a double team. Which is pretty nuts. And you see the backside pursuit against runs to the opposite side? Nuts. It's not just hustle. He shows some athleticism, which is not something that I saw a bunch of, on tape at usc he looked somewhat explosive at times but sunday truly looked like hell in some cases it looked unfair dog there's one play where he just completely owns i was it a left guard can't remember think off the top of my head whoever it was a guard can't remember if it was left or right don't remember where he lined up at we talk about like he extended his arm long arm, up pissed out of this dude and walked him into the backfield. Pretty sure he like just if he didn't push him over, he at least like got him up out of the club one way or the other. It looked really good. And when you're talking about a guy that's putting on this type of display through two games and the fact that Joey is someone who deals with injuries pretty often, you might want to consider a nice little rotation with the rook and joey now you're paying joey top tier money i understand that sometimes you have to weigh the returns what good is joy to you if he can't be on the field whatsoever if you have him taking i'm not saying like 20 snaps a game or anything like that but maybe a few less 10 or so less than what he normally would mix him in with Thule at the same time you might be cooking with a little bit of gas And through two games, I think Thule's shown you enough to give him some props and get him on the field as frequently as you can. I don't think he takes away from your defense at all. And um, you know who he's looked better than in his first two games in the NFL? Someone who's been with the team now for, what, year three now? Mr. Rumpf? I'd be a little worried. But ultimately it's just a better rotation when rough comes back he looked good in the preseason hopefully he can pick up where he left off and then nice little four man rotation there and morgan fox in the mix there because he plays a little edge too liking that gerald everett sir grown man bully ball it's something you got to deal with this should come as no surprise everett is a freaking maniac after the catch. Dude runs like he is on bath salts. I adore it. <clears throat> and you actually saw the Chargers work the seams a little bit, which is something I hope they do more going forward because kind of a part of your vertical passing game and having two tight ends. I said two, but honestly might be three cause uh stone smart is getting honorable mention for a catch that he made that i was certain was going to be an incompletion but he got up there like i ain't gonna say like mj vince carter style but i will say it was completely unexpected that he made that catch at least by my eyes it looked like it was going to be an overthrow by a mile but back to gerald everett dogs get get g the ball man let him do his thing let let g spin remember booby from uh, Friday Night Lights, Booby Miles. Put Booby in, let Booby spin coach. Get Gerald Everett the, bar, the ball. And hell, you like run after catch? If you don't want to use your first round wide receiver to do it, I know someone else who's ready, willing, and able. And almost every time you get him the ball, he does exactly that. So, yeah, let's tighten up there. Let G do his thing. And also... you know what I'm still gonna call him this I don't care if the dude has like facial hair now still a babyface bully to me Rashawn Slater was it like 80 snaps and he's only allowed like one pressure something like that I forget the exact snap count but the bully's back babyface bully broad street bully whatever you want to call him is he grown up now he could be the broad street bully he could borrow Beanie Siegel's name I'm sure Beanie doesn't mind you know, you gotta pass the mantle at some point. But as Justin Herbert, it must feel amazing not have to worry about your blind side. Right. I, I I can't say enough about the kid. As a pass protector, um, you know, he's very good in the run game. Right now I'd say he's about even maybe a little bit better as a pass protector than he is um in the run game, but still very good as a run blocker. <laughs> you, you can't get enough of that, man. And you've got the big money guy behind center taking snaps. You want to protect him at all costs. And there is maybe one better option in the league at left tackle who resides in uh, San Francisco. Who's getting up there in age. So, again, the mantle may have to be passed over possibly this year. We shall see. It would be fair to say that your boy has been on one this episode an accurate assessment but wasn't I warranted I would say hell yeah Uh, but with that being said I'm not even going to do uh guess that gangster this week because I have no interest in heaping that type of expectation on any one player everybody needs to step their game up this weekend um, against the Vikings what I will do though is give you another mini five piece within number five so technically this would be nine not ten but y'all get the point these are some things I would like to see now in no way shape or form do I expect all of this to happen but give me a combination of some of it like two to three make me feel good about it please Chargers. I'm begging I'm begging please come on just give me something to work with first up a heavy dose of the run game And that's with or without Austin Eckler. And apparently it's going to be without him from what I'm seeing right now, unless something changes. But it's pretty much inconsequential. Regardless, they need to run the rock and have it be inclusive of Isaiah Spiller because the Vikings are actually a bottom five defensive unit against the run through two games. So as much as we all want to see Justin wing it around the yard, use the run to set it up. It's just good game planning. And being that we now have a capable offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore, I'm sure that to a degree he's going to utilize this strategy. Next up, eh, how about a freaky front four? Hey, yo, I know that sounded crazy, but go with me here. We need some interior pressure on Kirk Cousins. Been through this a million times. A quarterback's worst nightmare is pressure in his face, especially if he's immobile. You have a perfect opportunity to do a little bit of what you did last week, running some twisting stunts with Bosa, Thule, whomever, um, get Mack involved. I'm not sure what Chris Rump's status is right now, but even if he isn't available, you still got the hogs to make it happen because what you can't do is expect to get it done with your front four. Just literally blowing people up off of the line of scrimmage and beating them in one-on-one. It's not really their forte, at least in the interior. Should I say I'm not trusting Sebastian Joseph day and Austin Johnson to be game wreckers in that way. So you're going to have to manufacture that pressure. You can make it a very long day for Kirk cousins. And Kirk is one of those guys that he gets happy feet. Once he's been hit a couple times, and then you go from seeing the good Kirk that he can be for stretches to like, why is this dude a starting quarterback in the league? Kirk, we need the latter as much as possible. Uh, next up, oh, I need at least 15 snaps for Quentin Johnston, like, or bust because at this point. I know you're wanting to work him into it but look you gotta start taking the wrapper off of the dude at some point scheme him up some plays to get the ball in his hands in the short area of the field and let him go to work but also let him get out there to get the game experience and maybe utilize him as a decoy to get some other guys open i feel like i've said this a million and one times but let's just notch another one on there hopefully it works out next up justin who like that's what we need to be saying about justin jefferson during this game after this, this game i know that sounds crazy but there's a method to make this happen uh you got to give him what the jets would call a little bit of the revis treatment now i know a lot of people are not aware of this but the jets didn't always take Darrell revis and put him on the team's best wide receiver what they would sometimes do is actually put him on their number two which in this case would be Jordan Addison and then the number two corner uh, Antonio Cromartie or whomever it was at you know certain points within that era would take the number one guy with safety help over the top and then you got to find another way to uh, beat them so in this instance look if Jordan Addison's going to cook JC Jackson then so be it but guess who it won't be Mr. Jefferson and if you can find a way to at least contain him then the odds of your winning this game probably go up exponentially I would guess Uh, but at the end of the day he won't be the one who does it he's not going to beat me and number five yo just win man I don't care how you get it done. It honestly doesn't matter to me. Uh, It can be a close game, which I would hate. But both of these teams, well, Vikings, they kind of alternate years with this. But at times they can be allergic to winning close games. So as opposed to making it difficult on ourselves and having to go through heart palpitations again, it'd be nice for the Chargers to win by more than a score you know if it's a nine ten point game perfect i'm not gonna be picky though just win the game even if it's by a point i don't care we need to have something to believe in because right now it is shaky baby and nobody nobody wants to be a part of the pity party that's coming to follow That full week leading up into a game against the Raiders, which I will be attending, by the way, just so you guys know. But we can talk about that next week. All I'm asking for is a W. Just one win. Please, just one win, man. The fan base is in a very dark spot right now. Well, I guess the more realistic of us, because you have some of the eternal optimists that, you know, somehow are still managing to be on cloud nine because it's football season and yay and got this magical team with all these mythical players and this ability to make it happen and why should we be worried we only have years of evidence to back up the fact that we screw the pooch more often than not but let's just put all that to the side and carry on no disrespect man somebody's gotta do it but anywho Love y'all, man. Appreciate y'all for tuning in with the boy for another five piece for that head top. Well, actually more than five, but you get the point. Uh, See y'all on after hours, Sunday, hopefully after a win or uh, I'm not sure what version of me you're going to get. I would be on the lookout for damaged items. That could be a thing. Maybe some holes in the wall. I'll try to keep it to a minimum. I mean, I still live here. With that being said, y'all take it easy. It's been fun or something see you sunday go